0: Today we're talking mentorship, what it means, how you do it, how you find one, and a lot more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. It's not a secret that doctors have a hard time creating a professional-looking digital presence. Having a dynamic website, ranking in Google, or growing your volume of patient reviews are not easy tasks. We're too busy to figure it out on our own. Advice Media has been around for over 20 years and works with physicians to create a more brandable online image. Attract more patients, generate more calls and emails, enhance brand awareness, protect your online reputation, and more by contacting Advice Media today. Three and five will choose one provider over another because of a strong online presence. If that's the case, what is your online presence saying about you? Don't delay in getting an experienced team to help improve your digital presence, to network.com slash advice media. That's drpodcastnetwork.com slash advice media. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew, and welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. For my returning listeners, thank you so much. For my new listeners, welcome, because today, like on every episode, you're going to hear from the best guests all around healthcare and beyond about issues relating to the early career physician. Today, I'm reposting an interview I did on the Medicine Mentors podcast, which is run by two medical students, soon to be residents, about what it means to be a good mentor, to have a good mentor, and how to seek it out. I'm interviewed by a wonderful interviewer, Dr. Kush Gupta. He's a medical student who will soon be joining Bay State Medical Center, Massachusetts as internal medicine resident. He is passionate about mentorship and he hosts the Medicine Mentors podcast, which is a platform for physician mentors to share key insights, traits, and best practices based on their experiences to guide medical students and residents. Well, let's get started.
1: Hi. I'm Dr. Kush Gupta, and I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of Medicine Mentors, where we interview masters in medicine, leading physicians at the top universities across the U.S. to learn from their experiences and derive key insights, traits, and best practices that can guide medical students and residents. Today, we're honored to host Dr. Andrew Tisser. Dr. Tisser is a board-certified emergency physician and a physician career strategist. He's the medical director of Rochester Regional Health Urgent Care Batavia and also works at the United Memorial Medical Center. Dr. Tisser earned his osteopathic medicine degree from the New York Institute of Technology College of Osteopathic Medicine. He then completed his residency in emergency medicine from Upstate Medical University. Dr. Tisser hosts his own podcast show called Talk To Me Doc, which focuses on issues relating to the early career physicians. Thank you so much, Dr. Tissa, for giving us this opportunity. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, I'd like to jump in your life. Can you shed some light on your journey, starting with your childhood, if you could share with us any role models that inspired you early on or any specific incidents which left an impression and helped shape your path?
0: I think my biggest role model as a child was my grandmother, my mother's mother. She grew up in Austria and emigrated to Israel prior to the Holocaust. So as a child, went to a new country, a really underdeveloped country at that point, and subsequently created a whole life for herself and her children there. Unfortunately, her husband, my grandfather, died at 40 and she never remarried. So she was probably one of the strongest women I knew. Growing up, and we used to go there every summer. And now, still to this day, she's in her 90s. She's sharp as can be, very active, and very well read. So, my grandmother is my biggest role model growing up due to all the adversity she went through in her life and still just focusing on her children.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's wonderful. Can you share some challenges you faced early in your career and any lessons that you learned that would be applicable to physicians in training listening on today?
0: All the way through medical school, into residency, into early attending hood, I faced challenges. Looking back, I guess you would call them burnout now, but even as early as a second year medical student, I didn't think I really wanted to do this. But at that point, I was too indebted to stop. So I figured I would go on and find a specialty that I liked. All the time being told, hey, a medical student get better. It didn't get better. And then I mashed into emergency medicine, which uh, was a specialty that I didn't love, but I didn't hate that helped. So I went through residency and residency was the hardest three years of my life, all the while saying, well, when you're an attending, it's going to get better. And then I got through residency and I got into my first job as an attending. I actually worked as a locum tenens physician for two years in the greater Chicago area and many different hospitals. And I really didn't like it. I was really burnt out from the beginning. And I worked at tiny little hospitals. I worked at big hospitals. I really was unhappy. I started really this frantic search for an escape, and I really didn't have any direction. And then I started working with some of my mentors and some coaches as well to really help me determine what I wanted out of my career. And then when we moved back to Buffalo about two years ago now, I signed with an organization I really like. I've been able to create a career that I'm really happy with. And now I'm able to provide some of the same work with other docs in my role as a career strategist and helping people figure out what they want to do with their career.
1: Absolutely. So can you share any encounters you've had recently in which someone approached you with a problem or burnout itself? And how did you really walk them through the process of figuring out what path they should be choosing and the right decision to make? Each
0: client is different, but... My general approach is three steps. So it sounds simple, but it's not easy. So step one is figuring out who you are as a person and what your values are. Because if you're in a career that is misaligned with your own values, you're going to be miserable. And there's a lot of different ways we can do that. But it goes back to who were you before you went to medical school? What were your interests? What did you like? And those things don't go away just because you bury them in medical training. So step one is who you are. Step two is then, what do I do? Sometimes we step out of reality for a little bit and just say, if you have 8 to 10 to 12 hours in a workday, what would you like to be doing? What do you hate at work? Because if you figure out what you hate, then you could flip the script and figure out what you like. We form short and long-term goals to figure out what you want to do. And then the fun part at the end is the strategy. So then career experiments, talking with people in the industry, seeing what's out there, what is possible and working towards achieving those goals. So three-part process. A lot of people I work with just need some direction.
1: Right. And it's wonderful how you've been a mentor to so many people as a physician career strategist, as well as on your podcast that you host. I've been looking forward to talking to you about it. Talk to me, Doc. Can you share with us a little bit about it and how it all started? When I first started the podcast, I was leaving Chicago and
0: one of the security guards got me a bottle of champagne. And I asked him why, and he said, it's because you talk to me like a person. And I said, oh my God, do other doctors not talk to you like a person? I just like talking to people. So I started the podcast, Talk to Me Doc, as a means of exploring communication within the healthcare team. So I was interviewing everybody from the security guards all the way up to the CEO, just to decide how communication plays a role in their jobs, what they would like to do better, areas for improvement. And that slowly shifted over time because honestly, everyone was saying kind of the same thing, that everyone is part of the team, everyone has a voice, and that this hierarchical system in medicine needs to change, which I agree with. And at the same time, my passions and my uh, interests were switching over to more issues relating to the early career physician, because I feel that the current generation of physicians has it different than our predecessors for a number of reasons. So after probably about 30 episodes or so of communication bit. I pivoted the show to be about issues relating to the early career physician. And that's what I talk about now.
1: Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. One of the goals of this podcast is to explore mentorship and the impact of mentors in the lives of our interviewees. So did you have mentors along the way as you started this journey in medicine
0: If I look back to medical school, I don't know that I had any real mentors along the way. As a resident, there were a few attendings that I really looked up to as far as emergency medicine practice. I really liked how they ran an emergency department, some of the ways they took care of patients. So in in that respect, from an actual medical knowledge and skill, I had probably one big mentor as a resident as far as like modeling my practice. When I got out as an attending, I had a few more. So a good friend of mine, his name is Kent. He started his job as a PA in the military and then became a really prominent healthcare leader and CEO of one of the biggest hospital systems in the country. But he really helped starting to find my path in figuring out what I wanted and what I didn't want. I still talk to him today, run things by him. My current chair of medicine is wonderful. I mean, I've never had a better boss, to be honest. He's a mentor to me nowadays as far as administrative work and as far as just being a leader. I've had quite a few mentors. Really starting as an attending is when I started finding mentorship and really seeking it out. As a resident, I just wanted to get done.
1: Yeah, so mentorship goes on lifelong. And I'd like to explore more. Of what are the components of a great mentoring relationship, both from the part of the mentor as well as from the part of the mentee? What are some of the things that lead to this great relationship?
0: Yeah, if someone comes up to you and be like, hey, can you be my mentor? That's not really helpful. Both parties need to understand that they are in a mentor mentee relationship. It's important that both parties understand that they are in this mentor mentee relationship. As far as my own mentors, They're just people that I would like to be like, whether it's interpersonally, whether it's professionally, whether they've walked the road I want to walk already. That's what I look for in a mentor, someone who's done what I want to do and is genuinely a nice person. (laughs) It's helpful when you can have a conversation with people. So I think it's important from the mentee's perspective to understand that it's not a one-way street. You also have things to give to your mentor, whether that be educationally, whether it be the experiences of teaching someone, see one, do one, teach one, right? So being able to teach something to someone else has a great growth relationship in yourself. We're all continuously growing and learning, whether it be you from your mentor, your mentor from the mentee. So it being a two-way street, understanding that there is a relationship and just being able to genuinely get along with each other is pretty important.
1: Right. What would you say are areas in which a mentor can help a resident?
0: Having a large array of experience is helpful. The residents I work with now, I just tell them how it is. I don't sugarcoat anything. This is life in current modern medicine and that you have options. I'm never going to lie to them. I'm never going to try to sugarcoat something. And if they're coming to me and telling me that I'm worried about insurance companies because they're family medicine residents, tell them, yeah, that's true. That is something you have to worry about. But these are some things you can do to help ease the burden. As far as your question about burnout, I think it's recognizing some of the signs of disinterest and lack of empathy and all the things we talk about. So that's a systemic issue that we're dealing with across the board. And it's also a personal issue because it attacks people at different times. From a resident perspective, finding someone you trust that you can have these conversations with, who isn't just going to blow you off until it gets better is one side. And from an attendings perspective, being able to recognize perhaps you're happy in your career, but you realizing that your residents maybe aren't. Being able to recognize signs and symptoms of burnout just like any other problem and finding someone you can actually have a conversation with
1: are important and finding that person that'll tell it like it is. I want to come back to our role as doctors that we briefly mentioned earlier. You shared the story with the guard when he gave you that bottle of champagne and he said, hey doc, you talk to me as a person. Why is it that we lose that touch, that ability of communicating with our patients at a more personal level, where is that lost, And how can we stay grounded to it?
0: When I was a resident, I got this patient experience top performer award. I was like the only resident out of the whole hospital to get this thing. And everyone was like, how did you get this? And it turns out, so I would always sit down on the garbage cans when I would go see patients and not because I wanted to make them feel, but I was just tired. Like I just wanted to sit down. So I would sit down on the garbage cans and There's been numerous studies showing that the, the doctor that sits in the room with a patient is perceived to be spending more time with them, even if they spend no more time in the room with them at all. So all these patients loved my patient care just because I would sit down and talk with them. So I think that's a big thing. We're always on the go, especially as a resident, take the time to sit down with your patient and talk to them. I always talk to everyone. I take genuine interest in other people, which I think is a very important thing to do. And just taking some time to get to know the people you work with and learn their names. Where we lose it along the way, I don't know. As residents, it's sometimes very difficult to keep it up. If you talk to everybody, it doesn't need to be a 20-minute conversation. Just figure out what everybody's name is and maybe something about them. First of all, in the end, it will take you a lot further. They will go out of their way to help you. They will perceive you as a better doctor. They will perceive you as a nicer person and help you out. People can take a few minutes out of their day to actually talk to everyone they see, even if it's
1: just a hello or a good morning. They'll take you a long way. Right. You've interacted and mentored so many students and residents. What are some of the traits that you have found out to be common to the most successful of these? The most important
0: thing is to never lie. The students and residents we remember negatively are those that Lie to us. If you didn't look in the ears, don't tell me they were normal because I don't care if you forgot to look in the ears, but I do care if there's like a cockroach in there and you forgot that you didn't see it, right? The most successful ones are able to take feedback well. And feedback's a hot topic these days. And a lot of people say they're not getting it when they just don't recognize it. But students that are able to identify their own faults and identify their gaps of knowledge and seek things out. The urgent care I direct is, is PA and nurse practitioner work there. And the nurse practitioner was a newer graduate. And he approached me and said, I'm pretty uncomfortable with orthopedics. Is there anything we could do about that? So I set up a, a week for him to go shadow in the orthopedic clinic. And I respect him a lot for being able to say, this is my gaps in knowledge. How do I fix that? Anyone who gets into medical school is smart. Anyone who goes through and gets into residency is smart and driven and has all the attributes necessary to get through your training. But it's these soft skills that you can't really teach that well. So being able to communicate well, being able to take proper feedback, being able to look for help when you need it, that's the other big part of it. With any resident I work with, I have no doubt they're smart enough to get through their training. The question is, are they enough of a person to be able to realize their faults
1: and to be able to communicate them well? Exactly. So one last question, Dr. Disser of all the things that we have discussed today that you have shared with us today, what is one thing that you wish you knew when you started medical school or residency that you would want all our listeners to take home and practice? I think
0: the answer to that is that you always have options. You are never stuck. I think... Medical training is a very linear path. So you go to college, you get into a good medical school, and then you get into medical school, and you work really hard and do really well on your boards, and you get into a good residency. And then you do well in residency to get your good first job. And then you get out of your job, and you're like, oh, what now? A lot of docs are just always going for the next thing. I always said when I got done with residency, I'd be so happy because I didn't have to go to lecture anymore, and I didn't have to write papers and everything. But That's not true because it brings you this feeling of emptiness. No matter where you are along the way, you have options. If you are that medical student, perhaps that's dissatisfied and isn't sure if they should continue, you have options. If you are a resident who perhaps doesn't wanna take the traditional approach and you wanna do something different, you have options. If you're uh, early attending and you hate your job, you have options. If you're late attending, you hate your job, you have options. So the MDDO degree is the most marketable degree out there. There are always tons of options for whatever you want to do. You just need to dig deep in yourself and figure out what it is you want out of your life and your career and figure out how to craft one that suits you.
1: That is wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Disar. I'd like to summarize a few key points that I'm taking away from all of the wisdom that you've shared with us today. Starting off from learning, learning, which is a three-step process. First, figuring out who you are as a person, what your values are. And one thing that can help uh, determine that is you can think about who you were before med school. Once you have figured that out, the second step in the process is the what. What do you hate doing? And that is sort of looking at the coin from both the sides. Looking at that, we can figure out what is it that we like doing. And then the third is the strategy and the planning and working hard towards it, talking to mentors and devising a path that is right for you based on who you are and what is it that you love doing. Secondly, our role as a doctor and even as a human being, talk to people like a person. I love the story that you shared, you know, how it is so undervalued today. And if we just acknowledge every person that we meet in our day, even if it's to say hello, Or when we're talking about our patients, sitting down in the room for whatever time we're spending in the room and make an effort to learn their names. If we're trying to create a a personal relationship, we need to know at least their names. Then we spoke about mentorship, which is a two-way street. And see one, do one, teach one fits perfectly with mentorship as well. Speaking about great mentors and qualities that they possess, great mentors don't sugarcoat things. They help us see what we can not and help us figure out the solutions to that. As a mentee, we need to find someone who we can trust enough to be vulnerable and express what are the challenges that we're facing. And mentors need to realize that our mentees are training in a different time than they trained in. And so acknowledging that and then helping them through that process, but it's about acknowledging and not dismissing something that our mentees may be facing and finally at any point of your career know that you always have options it's never too late to go after what you love doing and that's another great thing about medicine that we'll always have options whether we're in residency early career physicians a couple of years even down the line this was wonderful dr tisser thank you so much it has been a pleasure yeah a lot of fun To our audience, thank you for tuning in with us here on The Medicine Mentors. Thank you for joining us as we learn from the Masters of Medicine.
0: One last thing before we go. Remember Advice Media? Don't forget to check them out if you're looking to improve your website or need strategic insight on what your current online presence is doing or not doing for you. Contact Advice Media at drpodcastnetwork.com slash Advice Media. Again, that's drpodcastnetwork.com slash Advice Media. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, Dr. Kush Gupta and myself. I'm not going to say what I liked because I was the one being interviewed. So you tell me what you like. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you didn't, please go leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell at least one friend or colleague about the show. Additionally, I'd like you to go visit my website at andrewtisserdo.com. That's andrewtisserdo.com you can find a free four-part video series describing my pathway from burnout as a medical student, resident, and attending, and beyond, what I did about it. And with each video, I included a little career strategy tip to help get you started. And of course, if you need some extra help, you can visit my website as above and click on the link to schedule a free, completely free call with me, and I can help point you in the right direction. Until next time, everybody, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser Dio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser Dio, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser Dio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.